A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burden contains depictions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. In episode one, we learned that Billie Jean Letterman was shot in the head during an argument with her husband, Michael. She would die the next day after her mother made the heartbreaking but necessary decision to take her off life support. We also heard about what Michael Letterman told police about what happened before the shot was fired. In this episode, we'll hear a different story about what happened that night. But before we get into that, let's hear more about who Billie Jean Letterman was. Billie's sister Melissa says that Billie wasn't just her baby sister, but also her best friend. We would go into the woods behind the house, and our biggest thing was to bend over pine saplings and pretend like they were horses, and we would ride these saplings. She was bubbly. She was like our dad. She never met a stranger. She would talk to anybody, anywhere. She was a people person. And she was gorgeous, so everybody wanted to talk to her, especially the guys. (laughs) She was pretty easygoing. She got along with pretty much everybody. She would give you the shirt off her back. But she could, she also had a temper like our mom, you know, at times. And she would, when it came to family, she was, she was right there on the spot, ready to fight for her family. (laughs) Melissa says Billy was smart, a straight A student. She wanted to be a nurse. Billy's best friend, Sarah, also remembers Billy as smart and happy. Fun, jolly. I mean, had this little giggly laugh. And when she smiled, her little eyes squinted. I mean, she was just. Very pretty girl, very nice. Um, She was very artistic. There'd be these coloring contests. She pretty much always won. (laughs) She loved to read, loved to read. That part of her made me strive to want to do better in school. And it was just come easy to her. She was one of those that didn't have to study. She was just very, very smart and talented. Sarah even asked Billy to prom. My junior year, I asked her to go with me instead of asking a guy, I asked my best friend, so we went to prom together. Above all, 
Sarah says that Billy loved being a mom to her two young daughters. She loved those two girls. Ashley and Whitney were her little loves of her life. But for as bubbly and outgoing as Billy was, she didn't share a lot about her relationships. Billy never was one to talk about her personal life, so to speak. I mean, because even when we suspected that she was being abused by Michael, she always made an excuse. She fell down the stairs, she ran into a cabinet, or or whatever the case may have been when her ankle was broken or her jaw was broken. She always made excuses for it. So she never, she never admitted that he was abusing her. She didn't really tell anybody. You know, it's apparent that She's being hit. She's, you know, in a bad situation. Maybe a black eye or something going on, which she would try to cover up. But um, she didn't talk about the abuse. I'm Karen Trico-Stewart. From Power of Pod Productions, this is Burden, Episode 2, Mom Didn't Kill Herself. Here's my co-host, Stephanie Harris. Pay attention here. It can get confusing. When Billy was 14, she met Topper Letterman, he was Michael's older brother, but Billy wouldn't date Michael for several more years. We, we didn't go to movies or out to eat or anything like that. You know, we just, uh, just being kids, riding three wheelers, motorcycles, uh, go swimming, fish a little bit. Billy got pregnant soon after she met Topper. She was still in ninth grade and would wear big shirts to hide her growing belly. Topper was 21 and said if he had to do it over, he'd make a different choice about being with someone so young. I'd have done it differently. You know, that comes with wisdom. Then, you know, it, it didn't seem like a big deal. Back in that day, it wasn't a big deal. Billy and Topper broke up right before their daughter Ashley was born. He got home from work as a bouncer one night when he learned that Billy had given birth. When I got home that night, I was stayed at my mom and dad's. There was a note on the bedroom door, you know, called Billy's mother. She had a baby last night. So I went to, uh, went seeing the baby. And uh, everything was kind of fine at first. And then, uh, next thing I know, she's dating my brother. Of course, by my brother, Topper means Michael Letterman. Ashley was likely too young to understand the relationship dynamics of the adults around her. She didn't really get to know Topper until after her mom was killed. I never really got to see my dad because mom just kind of had that, okay, we split, we're not together, we're not married, don't come around. And so she would, she more or less like would push him out. And so he didn't really have a lot of interaction with me. It was the occasional he would see me, you know, here and there, either with my grandparents or he might stop by or something and get to see me. But for the most part, I didn't really know my dad as my dad. Ashley loved her mom, though. She remembers little things about her, like how she would rest one of her feet on top of the other when she cooked. She remembers dancing with her mom by standing on Billy's feet while Billy moved around the room. Sadly, she has many more memories of the violence in the home with Michael. Living with him was traumatic. When I was probably two or three are my earliest memories of Michael being around. I can honestly say that there's not one single good memory. Michael had a young daughter from a previous marriage who would come over to the house. Ashley says she and Crystal witnessed the abuse together, even though Billy tried to shield them from it. He was very, very abusive to my mom. He would hit her like a punching bag, kick her, spit on her, yell at her, push her down, drag her around by the hair, slam her up against a wall. Um, hold knives up against her, hit open-handed, you know, slap, um, cuss, yell, threaten, pushed her out of a moving car, tried to run over her. 
Topper says he didn't know about the physical abuse until much later, but he does know that Michael was not taking good care of his family. You know, she just, I knew that it was broke because he wouldn't work. He never worked anywhere very long. She wanted money, and I, I slipped her money that nobody knew about. And uh, one reason nobody knew is, well, if Michael finds out, I'll be in trouble, so I didn't tell anybody. And I was living out of town, and I'd go to town, I'd take her money. To this day, he's always been about Michael. He won't take care of his kids to this day. He's never done nothing for him. He uh, sure wouldn't take care of anybody else's kid. One time, Michael got mad and broke a window and then left to go deer hunting. So Billy asked Topper if he could fix it. It was below freezing outside, and Michael had left and taken all the food in the house, what little there was. Once Topper tried to visit with Ashley at a friend's house, Michael was also there and told Topper to leave, and then pulled a gun on him. Michael shot me! Yeah, knocked my legs out from under me, and I hit the ground on my hands. When Ashley was about five, Billy called Topper for help. Billy Jean called me a while before she got killed. She said, look here, we're broke. We can't feed her. We can't put her in scope. Can you come get her and put her in scope for a while? And I said, well, sure. And my guess today was that things were bad enough there that she wouldn't last out there and used as an excuse. And if I'd have known then or clued in then or know what I'd have known, chances are she'd still be alive. I don't even intervene. No doubt. In episode one, you heard the police ask Michael in his interview how Billy broke her jaw just a few months before she died. He said he'd been out fishing with a neighbor and got home to learn that Billy had fallen down some concrete steps and broken her jaw. Ashley was home that day but didn't see what happened. She only remembers following her mom into the bathroom and seeing her holding her mouth closed. I remember it was just shaking uncontrollably, and she was in so much pain, and I remember that. I remember, Mama, what's wrong, you know, and she would, she would try so hard to talk, but it hurt. She does know that there were no abrasions or marks on Billy's face that would indicate that she had fallen down cement steps and cracked her jaw. Ashley only knows that she had seen Michael hit and punch her mother in the face and head many times before. She was on food stamps. And he wanted to have a cookout with all of his friends. Her mouth was wired shut at that time. So she goes and she gets these ribeyes, baked potatoes, salad, the whole fixing for this cookout for his friends. They all come over. Steaks are cooked, baked potatoes, the whole nine yards. She can't eat a steak. How are you going to blend it up and suck it through a straw? So she's having to drink milkshakes or soup or what have you through a straw and here he is he done had her go and spend their dying grocery money for these steaks for his friends and they're all out in the backyard having a good time that was in the house that she was killed in um i mean it was just like why why would why would you do that um i really never was around michael a whole lot because it was like you didn't stop by when he was there because she was not allowed to have any friends, any contact with anybody, because then I guess she might know what was going on. So the only time that I really got to spend with her is when he would have an odd job here and there, painting or construction or whatever he was doing. Um, I would stop by knowing he wasn't there and visit, and then I would leave before he got home. Because just you stopping by and visiting with her she was going to suffer some kind of verbal, physical abuse because, you know, 
He don't want anybody having any contact with her. We didn't, we didn't really have a lot of interaction with Michael. We knew they were married, you know. We knew that they were dating before they got married. But as far as him coming to the house and spending any time with the family, he didn't. And we never, I mean, usually when I went to Billy's house is when he wasn't there because I was not a big fan of his to begin with. You know, I, I never really cared for him. Even in school, I thought he was arrogant jerk, you know. So when I would go over there, that's usually, yeah, usually he wasn't there. Um, now, there were many times that we were on the phone together and he would come in and start cursing her and yelling and tell her to get off the phone. He wanted to know who she was talking to, of course. He wanted to know why his sweet tea wasn't ready, why his chocolate milk wasn't made, or his peanut butter and jelly sandwich that he had to have every day wasn't made. I mean, those type of things, you know. David Gosa was Billy's first boyfriend. They remained close until she died, although they kept that from Michael for the most part. She never would talk to me after him and her got together. She was scared to talk to me very much at all. She worked at a Piggly Wiggly up here, and I would go in every now and then, you know, we would talk a little bit, but she was just scared of what he was going to do to her, I guess. A couple of times me and him had a few words over the phone, but I never was face-to-face with him. David saw Billy with her mouth wired shut, too. She said that uh, he was dragging her around on the floor by the hair of the head and kicked her in the mouth. And I told her right then I was going to go get him and whoop his ass, and she begged me not to because it was just going to be rough on her when he found out if she told me. I begged her to leave him, but she never would. I begged her all the time. Billy and Michael had been married only two years when she died. In the short time they were together, Ashley had witnessed a lot of violence against her mother. On that August evening in 1991, seeing their fighting was not unusual for the six-year-old. According to Ashley, her sister was already asleep when Michael got home that night, Ashley and Billy were watching TV from the couch. She remembers that the argument started over an upcoming camping trip. He had a really close friend of his. I think he wanted them to come, and Mom just wanted it to be a family thing before school started. And uh, I remember just it went from there. I remember him getting up and Mom getting up, and, of course, he would lean over her while she was sitting on the couch, and he would scream at her and slap her and hit her. And I remember her standing up, and they were fighting, and I was told to go to my room. I remember walking to my room and then coming right back out, you know, standing in the doorway because they were fighting. Ashley and her baby sister shared a bedroom. The doorway opened right into the den where their parents were. As the argument escalated, she remembers Michael getting a gun down from the rack on the wall. And I remember mom screaming. And I remember him having the pistol in his hands. And he was holding it to her head. She was sitting in the floor. And he would grab her by the hair and he would hold the gun to her. And he would just threaten her and he'd tell her he was going to kill her. She said she was through, you know, she wanted to leave, she wasn't happy. And he told her, and he had told her previously if if she ever left him, that he would kill her. I remember him fighting, and I remember her screaming, and she was fighting back. And I remember him dragging her across the living room floor with that gun pointed at her. And he didn't shoot her execution style. I mean, they were fighting over the gun. But he had gotten it down. He had held it to her head, and I remember... He was holding it up against the side of her head. He was pushing her head with it. I remember him. He would, he'd hit her and just push her head with it. And she was, of course, fighting, trying to get away. And she would grab him and try to get away from it, and she couldn't. He overpowered her. She was 105 pounds. He's a 200-plus pound, probably, man. I remember her being in the floor, and it was 
him jerking her around, she would go from being on her butt to on her knees to on her side. I mean, he would just, she was never even able to stand up. He might grab her and pull her and she'd get on her feet, but she would never get up. Uh, I mean, she he kept her head down. He had done that multiple times to her, minus the gun, but I remember him, that's how he would do her. He would always have to be over her. He'd get her down on the floor when he could. And I remember the gun going off and she just went down. And I remember he just didn't let it go and he just put his hands up and he started yelling. I remember after it happened, I was told to go to my room and I remember going in there and I remember laying down. And I remember crying myself to sleep. And then I remember when the police got there, I actually walked out of my bedroom into the living room when they were working on my mom, trying to get her, get her back or get her stabilized, really. And I remember a police officer taking me by the hand and leading me back to my bedroom. After Billie Jean died, Ashley went to live with Topper. She kept what she saw to herself until about two years later when she was eight. One night, my dad's wife, um, I was sitting in the kitchen coloring at the table, and she was sitting there with me. And I just... I remember never even looking up for my paper. I was just coloring, and I just started talking about things that I had seen Michael do to my mom. And she told me, she said, it's not polite to make stories up about people. Lying is wrong. You can't do that. And I remember getting really, really upset with it, and she was just kind of like, something's really off here. And she, she called my dad in there, and she was like, we need to do some more talking with her. She's finally talking about things. And I can remember... Um, I can remember telling him, you know, how he would hit mom and do things like that. And um, my dad was taken aback by it, you know, because his best friend lived next door and all these other people who I was naming, it really set my dad off with, had I known about this, maybe she'd still be here because I could have gotten them out of here. It was just really, it was really bad. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Topper says he's tried to get answers from Michael about the night Billy died. The minute you bring that up, it turns to almost violence with him. And my opinion is it, it's not a defensive rage. I didn't do it. I'm tired of being accused. It's a, I won't get caught rage. That's what he does. Topper used to be in law enforcement, and he says it's clear to him that Michael lies. They have nothing. It's Michael cannot tell the same story twice. First thing they told us in, in law enforcement, that my instructors in class, a liar cannot tell you the same story twice. But when the story changes in entirety like it does with Michael, something's not right. You know, the one story, he kicked the gun across the room. He don't know if she had it or he had it. He don't know how it got over there. She had the gun. 
you know, she laid there so long, according to the ambulance screens and stuff, that the blood had coagulated before they were even told. I mean, shit, you know. They just, they just, they give him time to make phone calls and make his story clean that house up. My mom and dad went cleaned that house up. My mom cleaned that house up. He's my brother and I I've said I hate him. I hate how he is and what he is. I hate who he is. But he's my brother. But at the same time, Ashley's my daughter. And I'm going to defend her to the bloody end if it comes to that. I mean, she's my daughter. And I know her mother didn't shoot herself. And knowing everything I know and knowing how Michael is, like I say, if my life depended on it, of what I had to say, I would say the gun was in his hand when it went off. He was pointing at her. She was trying to swat it away. That's that's what I think happened. At the same time, he shouldn't have had a gun pointed at her. It's hard for me to talk about it, Lacey, because I don't have answers. I don't know what to tell her. There's questions she or ask about her mother that I can't answer. From the night Billy was shot, Ashley doesn't remember everything, but she does have specific memories. I know that, like during the fight, there were things knocked off, like the the coffee table and. That was all put back up where it needed to go. The gun was, you know, stayed over there where he had thrown it at. But um, he started, like, trying to clean up the house. I do remember that because I remember he called my grandparents. And he had my grandmother come to the house, and she started helping him clean. He got a shower. He washed a load of laundry. And he cleaned up where they had been fighting. Anything that was out of order from a fight, they had, they had put back up. There's no way for us to know if these memories are true without more witnesses coming forward. But we do feel confident that Michael's story about calling 911 and no one picking up is unlikely. The facts we know to be true are that law enforcement arrived at the house at 1030 and that when they did, Michael's parents and two of his friends were already there. We also know that Billy's best friend Sarah has a memory of Michael coming to the hospital with wet hair. And he's in those... You know, in the 80s and the 90s, the little bitty shorts, like basketball shorts back in the day for men. He has on a pair of them shorts. His head is wet, and it was just very strange. It's just something that sticks in my mind. You know, why is your head wet? And why are you wearing that to the hospital? The Letterman's parents' names are Donald and Elizabeth Letterman. They went by Red and Liz. Topper says that for years, Liz has been living with the fear that she would be punished for the role she played. But it's too late to talk to her about that night. She's alive today, but suffers from dementia. And as for his father, Red, Topper claims that Red has also talked to him about that night. My dad told me, he said, dear Kim, one night, he said, uh, he said, he just killed her. He killed that girl. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, Billy, he said, he, he, he just flat shot her in the back of the head. And all of a sudden, he was talking. He was drinking when he said it, you know. And uh, uh, started out a song reminding him of her. And, and he just told me, he said, he said, that boy killed her. He just flat killed her. Red passed away in 2016. The song he referred to was a song called She Wore Red Dresses by Dwight Yoakam. We can't play the song for you here since we don't have the rights, but you should look it up and listen. There are times when the lyrics do seem to line up with Billy's story especially these four lines. He took her away, and on my knees, like a madman, for vengeance, I prayed. While the pain and the anger destroyed my weak mind, she wore red dresses and left the wounded behind. Over the years, Ashley has been speaking out about her mother and what she saw that night. She started a Facebook group called Justice for Billie Jean. 
In 2014, she spoke at a domestic violence awareness rally at the Arkansas State Capitol. That's actually how we became aware of this story. I worked at the Justice Building on the Capitol complex. I wandered over to support friends who organized the event. Ashley was so compelling. I decided right then that I would try to help her. She says that no matter what happens, she's going to continue to expose Michael for who he really is, even if he never spends a day in jail. You know, um, I have nothing to, to lose. I really have nothing to lose. Um, to, no reason to just say, I think I'm going to pick on that guy today. You know, there's other people who've done me wrong in the past. I could easily say, okay, I'm going to go after that person. But he took my mom's life. Uh, he is responsible for my mom not being here. Whether he set her down in execution style, shot her in the back of the head, or whether it was he pulled the gun down off the wall and they fought over it and that's how she got shot. He's responsible for me growing up without a mom. He's responsible for his youngest daughter not even remembering her mom. He's responsible for my grandparents losing a daughter, my aunt losing a sister. He's responsible for one of the most beautiful people I've ever, ever even dreamt of knowing not being here. And it hurts to see him live in life. He's gotten to watch his children grow up. He has grandkids. My mom will never know what it is to have a grandkid. My son will never know his grandmother. You know, when I got married, it was the empty chair with a picture sitting in it. I didn't have a mom to help me get ready for a wedding. I didn't have a mom to talk about boys with. I didn't have a mom to get ready to go to prom with or to go get a manicure or, you know, anything. I had a dad who taught me everything I needed to know in life. And it's not fair to him either because there's things that a dad shouldn't have to teach their daughter about. And he's had to do that. And there's still questions that he can't even answer. And it eats him up too. <clears throat> it's hard. It's hard on all of us. I still wake up in the middle of the night having nightmares, yelling no, wake up crying, and my husband will have to wake me up out of my sleep. And it's not fair that, you know, he'll never get to know her, other than a headstone and what memories I can tell him. Police did eventually reopen Billy's case. On the next episode, we'll explore the investigation and how it all went wrong. Visit burdenpod.com for more information about this show. That's burdenpod.com. There you can contact us, sign up for our mailing list, or see photos of the people featured in the podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at burdenpod. Subscribe to Burden in your favorite podcasting app so you can have episodes delivered to you automatically on the day they're released. And please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podchaser. It really helps us out. We're also on Patreon, where you can purchase a monthly subscription and access bonus content like extended video interviews, Billy's case files, photos of the house where Billy was shot, and a collection of family photos. If you know anything about this case, please let us know. What you send in will not be shared unless we have your permission. We know there were witnesses from that night who have not wanted to talk. If you change your mind, we still want your insight. Karen and I are also gathering stories for the final episode of Season 1 of Burden. We would like to give voice to anyone impacted by domestic violence, partners of abusers, listeners who were children of abusers or suffered or witnessed abuse, friends and family of both survivors of intimate partner violence, and those who were lost. Leave your story by voicemail at 501-500-3471. That's 501-500-3471.
or email at burdenpod at gmail.com, B-U-R-D-E-N-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can also request a scheduled interview with us by phone. If you do not want your name used, we will honor that. If you want us to narrate your story to keep your voice hidden, we can do that too. If you or someone you know needs help, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233 or text START, S-T-A-R-T, to 88788. That's START, to 88788. Stay safe and until next time.